You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Today, we have got J.C. Allen from Pewter Report. He's going to help us kind of understand a little bit of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm slightly more optimistic, but not much. <laughs> um, but he's going to give us some really good insights on that. I uh, just want to go over a couple little news and notesy things here. We'll take a break, and then we'll just pop over for the interview, and that'll be that. First of all, um, injury reports are vast. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and and I'll let him kind of explain the details. I'll just run through what it is. Um, full participant, Carlton Davis, Robert Hainsey, Zion McCollum, Scotty Miller. Limited participant, Leonard Fournette, Russell Gage, uh, Brashad Perriman, and Donovan Smith. And the players that did not participate in practice, Chris Godwin, Keem Hicks, who is not going to play, uh, Julio Jones, and Cade Otten for the Green Bay Packers. Limited, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Kenny Clark, did not participate, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, and tight end Mercedes Lewis. All the wide receivers in this game are hurt. Bucks and Packers, they're all hurt. The Bucks are bringing in rental wide receivers um, because they just don't have anybody right now. Just saw an article about, oh, Sammy Wat- or uh, Christian Watson, he was seven years old in Raymond James Stadium and said, one day I'm going to come back here as an NFL player, and his dream has come true. And now he's got he's not practicing with a hamstring injury. So it's just a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Um, as far as David Bakhtiari, I hate to even continue to bring it up, but um it looks positive. I know the eye rolls, but it does. Um he's practicing. He's one of the few people that's out there actually practicing. Somebody even pointed out uh wisely that he's practicing looking inward. Rather than looking up at the guy across from you, he's staring at the, where the center would be. Why? You do that in loud environments, in away games, like, oh, I don't know if you're going to Tampa this week. Now, granted, that doesn't necessarily mean they know he's going to play. It could very well just mean that they're practicing as though he's going to play, and then they'll see if he's going to play, which I think is the absolute truth. Um, but it's still a, a decent enough sign, I suppose. Um, you know, it's funny to me, the next question that was asked um, to Matt LaFleur was about Devin White, the linebacker. I, again, this is, this is a pure media hype thing. 
They're asking about Devin White because Devin White is seen to be this elite player. And there's nothing wrong with, with Devin White. He's unbelievably athletic. Levante David is the guy. That is the guy you need to be terrified of. Now, Devin White is a great compliment with his athleticism and everything else, and it becomes kind of silly. And it's not surprising that when he asked about Devin White, he immediately brings up Levante David. But anyways, I just wanted to mention that because that's going to be a thing. You're going to be hearing a lot about, oh man, you got to go up against two good linebackers, Devin White and some other guy. No, (laughs) it's Levante David and some other guy. Um, I'm also seeing a ton of people on Twitter. Sometimes I'm not sure if, if people are just jumping on some kind of virtuous bandwagon or if there's actually a thing going on. I've never seen it. That was a terrible throw. <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching the Browns game. We'll get to that in a minute because I have a couple thoughts, or at least one, as Brissett hits the defender in his back, or thigh, whatever. But there's this whole big thing on Twitter right now and social media about David Bakhtiari is being attacked by the fans. David Bakhtiari deserves better. Shame on people that are attacked. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's like four people that are being D-bags or what, but I have not seen like, I, I, and, and again, I, I have a podcast here. I've heard a lot of people say he's not coming back. I've never once heard anybody say he just doesn't want it. He just doesn't care. He's being a, a wuss. And he, I've never heard that. I've never seen that. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it certainly seems to me that Maybe like one person was being a jerk, and now we're all going to go on some kind of a righteous crusade to be the person who cares. <laughs> I don't know. I, it just stuff like that annoys me sometimes. I don't know. I mean, if that's what you think, call in to the, the show, send me a message. Let me know that those people actually exist, because I've never seen it. I've never heard it. And people are not afraid to give their opinions on what they think of the players for the Green Bay Packers when they call into my show or when they talk to me. I've never heard that before, so I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, of course, yeah, David Bakhtiari deserves to be treated with respect, which is seemingly what he's been treated with. But anyways, 14-16. to This is such an AFC North game right here. It's only the third quarter, but I swear, this is why I never liked watching. I always respected the rivalries, but now that like the fighting and the hatred is gone, these games just suck. There are also these videos floating around of... Um, these ball security drills, and I hope they never do it again because it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) I mean, maybe it helps. I don't know. But it looks really dumb. First of all, Aaron Rodgers runs through it, and I don't know if he just does that as a joke or what, but nobody is going to punch him. Nobody has the guts, not a single coach, nothing, to even throw a halfway (laughs) jab at the guy. But even the other guy, I mean, it's like, it looks like a gang initiation if it was run by like a Dungeons and Dragons club, you know, or like, like the chess club has like a beat in because they're trying to be tough. So they put these gloves on and then like do these little girly swings. It's, it's kind of embarrassing. And I, I hope it never happens again. Just my thought. I don't know. Anyways, um, kind of a cool little graphic here by Marcus Mosher. He was showing most big plays through week two. This is something the Packers have always tried to be as a big play team. Um, but in both phases, I mean, they've always wanted to be a big play passing team, whether they've been successful or not. They've always emphasized how important that is. But also, they've always been terrible in big running plays. That's been something that's been very much lacking that they've been trying to get a grasp on. Um, they're actually in, tied for second with the Philadelphia Eagles behind the Detroit Lions, go figure, in big plays with 18. Eight of them are passing plays, 10 of them are rushing plays. We have 10 plays 
of over 10 yards. Only four teams have more big rushing plays than the Green Bay Packers. That's staggering. Because I'm pretty sure just last year, we were really, in fact, I know, we were really lacking in that department. Uh, not just rushing in general, but but big rushing plays. Um, in fact, let me look at it. So as you're well aware, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were both top 10 via just general PFF rushing grades, right? A.J. Dillon, fourth highest rushing grade. Aaron Jones, ninth highest rushing grade. If you look at overall um, grades, A.J. Dillon was third. Aaron Jones was sixth, almost two top five. However, if you look at their big plays, you can see a massive discrepancy here. The number one runner, and granted, there's, there's some differences in terms of attempts, but the number one runner is Jonathan Taylor with 50 carries over 10 yards. You've got Damian Harris, number two, with 23 carries. A.J. Dillon, nine carries over 10 yards. And then Tony Pollard, who has significantly less carries to A.J. Dillon, has 17. 162 attempts compared to A.J. Dillon's 218, and he has nearly double the amount of carries over 10 yards. That's kind of staggering. Aaron Jones did manage to get eight, but again, you compare that to a lot of the other guys. I mean, let's just do it this way. Let's sort by 10-plus yard carries. Aaron Jones ranks 27th. A.J. Dillon is 49th. 15-plus yard carries. Aaron Jones is 17th. I don't even know where... A.J. Dillon is, it's not worth looking at. As of right now, the most carries of, of 10 or more yards is seven. Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, and Leonard Fournette. Aaron Jones has six. A.J. Dillon has three, but that hasn't tied for 12. So they're obviously in the running. I mean, Cleveland has more between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but that's a heck of a duo. Combined, we're talking nine, 10 plus yard carries. I don't really see anybody else that has a duo that's higher than A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones aside from Cleveland. Because remember, a lot of other teams have feature backs. We kind of have a split backfield, so you kind of have to combine the two. And PFF doesn't just give me a stat that says team. I'm sure somewhere it does, but the point is they're doing a good job. In fact, Aaron Jones is tied for second behind only Saquon Barkley in 15-plus yard carries. He's got four already. He had eight all last year. He has half of the amount of 15-plus yard carries over an entire season in two weeks. So um, their goal to be more explosive in the run game is working really, really well. And if you want, head over to uh, packernet.substack.com. I haven't uploaded it yet, but I did a video. I do have the Watson and Dobbs video up already. The uh, run game video should be up tomorrow. Um, that one was pretty fun, just kind of looking at how all the blocking went and everything. And the crazy thing is, how many of these plays, and granted, every play is probably designed to go for 20 yards. It's just a matter of can everybody do their job, and usually not everybody does it. But it's crazy where you can look at it and say, man, if this one guy does his job, if these two guys can do their job, this is, this is he, he's gone. It's, it's game over. But even still, you're looking at it like, oh, man, this guy messed up. It's still like an eight-yard run. So, no, I, I think the blocking has been really, really solid. And Aaron Jones, and, and even A.J. Dillon, he was a little bit frustrating in this game, but... Aaron Jones' ability to make something out of nothing is really remarkable, and A.J. Dillon at least had one of those also where there just wasn't anything there and he made something out of it. So that's that's really, really quite awesome. And and, and again, even in the passing game, um, at eight, there's one, two, three teams that have more big passing plays than the Green Bay Packers. That's the Denver Broncos, 
the Washington Commanders, and the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's it. So, pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, also, the Green Bay Packers did move Travis Fulgham back to the practice squad, so they cut him and signed him back to the practice squad. Um, as a corresponding move, they waived safety Mike Brown. I suppose that makes sense when all of your wide receivers go out with injury. You kind of look at the guy you just caught and you're like, hey, 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 buddy. Yeah, I know we just kicked you off the old practice squad, but we miss you. Um, Joe Barry talked to the media. He was pointing to one of the biggest issues being missed tackles. I, I actually was going to make a video on what went wrong with the, the run game, and I quickly realized, although it's kind of easy to diagnose at least what the offensive line is trying to do, and then deciding whether or not they failed or succeeded, I, I have a much harder time with the defensive side saying what went wrong, because every play was just like, I don't know, man, it seems like they all did their job to me, but um, it just didn't work. They got outnumbered or something. So it's just, it's very hard to tell what exactly went wrong, but there were certainly instances where you can see you're the guy to make the play, and he didn't make the play. Joe Barry said there were two. there was a two-play sequence in the fourth on Sunday night during which the Packers missed nine total tackles while allowing 55 yards on the ground. Montgomery for 28, Herbert for 27, said missed tackles have been the main focus entering Sunday's game in Tampa. I've always said there is a high correlation between a really good defense and a really good tackling defense. I, I don't think there has ever been in the history of the universe a really, really good defense that doesn't tackle well. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't. So that's an area that they absolutely need to get cleaned up. And, and I'll tell you another thing from watching the game. Physicality is important. You cannot have guy. I know Jair made a comment about, you know, you don't pay me to tackle or whatever, which in, in a sense, fine. I get that. And I'm not even going after him necessarily. But Savage, I don't know, dude. For a safety, I, I would hope a little bit more physicality. Um, I'll, I'll give you the handful of, of notes that I, that I could think of. The defensive line actually surprised me with how good they looked. I didn't watch a ton, but th- they seem to be wrecking the entire offensive line, especially Kenny Clark, the guy is unstoppable. Even when he's being double teamed, he does whatever he wants. The guy is an absolute phenom. Linebackers, I don't know that I was... It sounds like this is really loud for some reason, and I don't know why it's doing that, but um, I apologize for the bad quality today, but it just is what it is until I can get this figured out. I had to reboot this thing, and now the settings are all messed up, so sorry. But anyways, let me... Can I back away from the microphone? Does that help at all? I don't know. Um, There's just a, a physical mentality thing. After having watched the... um, Turn that down a little bit? I don't know. Then it's too quiet. After having watched the Bears linebackers and how much they just charge after things and just blow things up, and then watching our guys, I don't necessarily see that. The the just decisiveness and the ability to just charge in and smash stuff. I don't know. It just, it just didn't feel like they were as violent. The defensive line, yes. Rashawn Gary and Preston, yes. The guys up front, yes. Everybody else, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll also give the tip of a hat to Stokes. Stokes and Razul, those two guys want to kill people. And we know Amos does. I didn't really notice it, but I, I doubt that um, he's a problem. But that was just sort of my only thought. Watching our offensive line and our running backs trying to, you know, get through the Bears defense and doing a very good job, they had to deal with a lot of just violent physicality. And I, I just, I guess I wish we had a little bit more than that. And I think it just kind of showed through in the tackling. You know, what comes naturally with that that violence is violence at, at the tackle point. And I think we were missing a lot of tackles because we were kind of, there was a, too much hesitating. 
Too much kind of, eh. Too much Darnold Savage just kind of falling at a guy's knees, hoping he trips. You know, Jair kind of doing that. Too many people swinging at the sides of people rather than squaring up and just laying into people. So that would be my only thought on that issue is that it just, it's weird too, because we know that these guys are, we know these guys are motivated. They're fired up. They're angry. They want to smash, supposedly, at least with their, with their words, they're the, the meanest, baddest dudes in town. Well, you can't be the meanest, baddest dudes in town and be like a finesse defense. Like, we're just really good at coverage and flying around the field and stuff. We don't really, like, hit people. That ain't going to work, man. So that Razul Douglas energy, that Kenny Clark energy, that Rashawn Gary energy, that's got to carry throughout. And we, we got to get more physical. There's too much, like, thinking and hesitating and, and that kind of stuff going on. All right, let me make one more thing very, very clear. This game isn't over yet, so I want to uh, make room for there being, like, a big 80-yard bomb to George Pickens. Um, and obviously make space for the fact that Trubisky is a garbage quarterback. You Pickens people, for the record, you can go back and find me on the live stream during the draft when the Packers traded up saying, you know, it's Pickens or let it be Pickens or I hope it's Pickens, something to that effect. I don't exactly remember what I said, but I thought it was Pickens. I wanted Pickens. I was the one that said, I think Pickens might be the best wide receiver in this whole draft class. Okay, let me say that for the, for the start. This is so stupid with the George Pickens thing. All I see is George Pickens, George Pickens, George Pickens all over Twitter. I'm not watching the game, right? I mean, I am now, but I wasn't at the time. All I'm hearing is George Pickens. What? This and Mike is driving me absolutely insane. That's all I'm seeing on Twitter, right? Why? Why? Well, I got to see. The guy's obviously got 150 yards and two touchdowns, right? So I go over to CBS Sports, doopy-doo, cbssports.com, click on NFL here, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. All right, it's going to be a big one. Let's see. Uh, receiving, David Johnson, eight targets, six receptions, 63 yards. Uh, George Pickens, five targets, two receptions, 34 yards. Zero touchdowns. Let me say that again. Five targets, two receptions, 34 yards. Did you know? That if the game ends this way, playing having played one more whole game than the Green Bay Packers, he will have two less receptions and four less yards than Romeo Dobbs. Shut up. <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys are silly with this stuff. What is, what is the big deal here? I don't get it. He has played three NFL games and hasn't cracked... He has four receptions for 60 yards. He hasn't hit 100 yards in three whole games. I mean, we're over here talking about our, our receivers are struggling. We're talking about they haven't figured it out. They haven't hit their stride yet. One of these days they're going to figure it out. And Romeo Dobbs is doing better. Better than George Pickens. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, he says he's open 99% of the time. Yeah, so is Christian Watson. So what? Well, he had a great one-handed catch. I don't care. I don't know, man. I, I Again, I, I acknowledge the dude is super talented. I didn't say he was the best receiver in the entire class for no particular reason, but I'm sitting here saying I think I was wrong. You know why? Because while we talk about a guy with 60 yards in three games over, f what, four catches? We have actual NFL wide receivers like Drake London who have 18 targets, 13 receptions, 160 yards, and a touchdown. And we're talking about Drake London with what, 60 yards and no touchdowns in three games? Drake's going to crack probably 200 yards and two touchdowns in the same amount of time. Garrett Wilson has 22 targets, 
12 receptions, 154 yards, and two touchdowns in two games. Chris Olave has eight receptions, 121 yards. Traylon Burks, who, by the way, I think is the highest-graded rookie in the entire class, who has cracked 100 yards, 11 targets, seven receptions, 102 yards. Jahan Dotson has three touchdowns already. Nine targets, seven receptions, 99 yards, and three touchdowns. Kyle Phillips, 10 targets, 7 receptions, 71 yards. Romeo Dobbs, 8 targets, 6 receptions, 64 yards. Christian Watson, 7 targets, 5 receptions, 43 yards. Sky Moore has 30 in one game. So that's on track for, what, 90 yards? So he's well ahead. I mean, Christian Watson is ahead of George Pickens right now. If he just stays on, on target over three games, I mean, there's, there's nobody he's really ahead of aside from David Bell. What does he have in this game so far? Is he even playing? He added another target for six yards, so he's still ahead of David Bell. Congratulations. I mean, just on a yards-per-game basis. He's ahead of David Bell, Wandale Robinson, who's played one game and caught one pass, uh, Montrell Washington, Khalil Shakir, Danny Gray, and Alec Pierce. The last four haven't caught a pass, probably because they're really not involved in the offense, would be my guess. He's, he's also one of the lowest-graded receivers in the entire draft class. Um, he is, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth lowest-graded. And again, you can sit here and say, yeah, well, he's better than Christian Watson or whatever. If you're comparing him to Christian Watson, you're proving my point, right? Because the narrative on Watson is that he's not ready, and you know they're not on the same page, and things are not going well. How in the world are Christian Watson and George Pickens comparable Yet Christian Watson is seen as a nobody bust, and George Pickens is this great player that should have been this, that, or the other thing. I, I don't understand the obsession with the guy. Let him do something, anything. Let him have one good day before we heap praise all over him. He had a mediocre preseason. He's done absolutely nothing in the regular season. This is a team that's dying for a true top-tier number one wide receiver, and George ain't it. He's not the best player in the draft class. He's not even the best player on his team. There's there's uh, Corey Bajorquez. What's up, man? Playing for Cleveland now, I see. That's great. That was a nice punt, too. That sat right at the five. Tell you what. But as of, like, last week, do you know where he ranks on his own team in terms of receptions? Deontay Johnson is the number one wide receiver. Pat Fryermuth is the number two receiver. Chase Claypool is the number two wide receiver, number three receiving option. Then running back Najee Harris. Then second tight end Zach Gentry. Then George Pickens. By the way, nobody else has caught uh, a has gotten any yard. So of all the players on his team, this is as of last week. I'm not going to add in the math from this week. Of all the players on his team who have any amount of receiving yards, he's the lowest. Coming into this game, two receptions, 26 yards. This week, he's got 34 yards. I I don't I don't get it. Christian Watson's getting thrown under the bus because dude has 34 yards. Christian Watson legitimately could have, if he would have caught that first pass in the first week, he would have had more yards than George Pickens in three games in one pass. I know he dropped it. I get it. But I'm just saying, that's all it would have taken. 75 yards and a touchdown. would have. He could be out the rest of the season for all I care, and he'd have more than George Pickens. Let him do something good, then brag about it. You're, you're jumping way out of turn here. Same thing I told Bears fans with Justin Fields. L- let him succeed first. You start bragging about him, you're just going to look stupid when he fails. We're all going to make fun of you for being idiots. Wait to see if he's any good, and then if he's good, you can brag about it. If he's not, then hey, I never said he's going to be good. 
So again, I don't know. Maybe George is going to pluck one here in the fourth quarter. I don't know. But and even I'm just looking at it right now. They're showing a highlight reel of George Pickens. I know he caught, it was a, it was a nice catch. I get it, right? I, I fully understand. It was an Odell Beckham reception. So guess what? Just like we had to watch the Odell Beckham catch for five years straight, we're gonna have to watch this catch for five years straight. The difference is Odell Beckham was like a fifteen hundred yard receiver. This guy hasn't cracked a hundred yards in three games. There's a reception to Chase Claypool. So right now, Johnson, Claypool, and Harris have more receptions than Pickens. I'm I'm just saying. I, I I'm this, it's so stupid. Please don't throw our rookies under the bus because some guy's having a mediocre game in a pretty subpar season. Anyways, that's my that's my rant of the day. Why don't we take a break here? We'll come back and get to the interview. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, you can find links at the top of my Twitter or the Packing a Podcast Facebook group. That is FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, folks, today we have got J.C. Allen with the Pewter Report. He's going to help me. Um, before I dive into Tampa and butcher everything and give you wrong information, we're going to have J.C. give you correct information, and we'll launch off from there. Um, the biggest thing is, and I, I've been kind of a downer a little bit with uh, Packer fans, unfortunately, kind of every time I bring up Tampa, it's like, I don't know, man, I think we're kind of in trouble. I don't think this is going to go well. But 
I want to kind of start from the beginning here because I don't necessarily recognize this team. This is not exactly the same team that we faced back in 2020. So why don't we start with the injury report so we can at least see who's even playing and who's not. I know you don't know 100%, but it's a lengthy injury report for you uh, yes. for you guys and for us. I, I don't even know who's playing for the Packers this com- upcoming week. We both might be renting wide receivers for this game, but <laughs> let's um, – Let's start with that because I'm looking at, um, looks like Carlton Davis is full participant, Robert Hainsey, uh, Zion McCollum, Scotty Miller. Those guys seem to be good to go, I'm assuming, correct? Uh, Zion McCollum will be will be something to monitor. He's just started practicing last week for the first time. Uh, pretty much all training camp, he, he got a hamstring injury early that sidelined him. So uh, he might be one of those guys who are inactive. We'll see, you know, kind of game day, what they want to do, how they approach it who's playing, who's not, if there's a spot for them, if they have to rule out multiple uh, guys, you know, then there becomes a situation where maybe they have them on and playing mostly special teams. Okay. And then one of the um, bigger names that I'm looking at here, that's a little bit surprising. And I I don't know what the status is, but obviously you're going to want to lean on them depending on the wide receiver status, but Leonard Fournette has popped up with a hamstring injury. What do, what's the status on him? Yeah, it's something that he's playing through. It's not something that's okay. really um, – it's not – it's one of these little annoying things more than a real injury concern, I, I think. Gotcha. Uh, you know, we saw what he did, you know, last week and in, in, in week one. Uh, he's really rounded out his game completely as a running back where he's he really picked it up in all three phases. He's always been a good receiver going back to his Jaguar. Obviously a good runner, but now his pass protection has taken it to another level and – you know, that's something that, you know, you might not see in the box score, but he, he's been very, very good. And it's allowed him to stay on all three downs and really be that complete three down back. They've leaned heavily on him the last two games. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll probably want to get get him some some rest, some spells here by rookie Rashad White and maybe Keyshawn Vaughn, who's probably going to see his first time active with Giovanni Bernard out on IR with an ankle injury. Um, but they've they've got a good group of running backs who are who are proficient in all three phases, and that's run blocking, running, and also catching the ball. So uh, I expect him them to try to get that the ground game going early with Leonard Fournette, and, and maybe even using you know short passes out of the flat, you know, quick little out slants and stuff like that as a as a supplement to the the, the you know the passing game, the running game, uh, and get him going early for sure. Yeah, uh, especially against the, a Packers team that let up 200 yards last week. Yeah, the uh, well, a lot of lot of hype about the Packers defense, and and as is the case, and seems like always has been the case since forever. The run defense just is not uh, it's not a thing. So I don't know. I think we just have to get over the fact that that's never going to get fixed. But anyways, uh, back to the injury report. Looking at the rest of the wide receivers, we talked about Scotty already. Um, I see Julio Jones here with a knee injury hasn't practiced all week. You've got Godwin has not practiced with a um, hamstring injury. Russell Gage was limited participant also with a hamstring injury. And then Brashad Perriman was limited with a knee injury. So of all those wide receivers, which ones do you think might be going and which ones do you think are going to be down? Yeah, I think Chris Godwin's probably definitely down. Uh, he came back remarkably fast from a torn ACL and caught the first pass of the game from Brady on a 24 yard screen uh, up the left sideline. But uh, you know, later in the game, injured his hammy. I think they're going to play it safer than sorry with him and kind of slow him back. Obviously, we know Mike Mike Evans is suspended for this game yep. after his antics in, in New Orleans with the whole Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus May issue. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at who could be available. I think Scotty Miller, who is a full participant, he'll, he'll probably play. Uh, you look at a guy like Brashad Perriman, who played last year, last week, got the only touchdown in the game. I think he's good to go. 
Russell Gage, I think he was dealing with a hamstring injury. They're just playing it cautious with him. They don't want him to re-aggravate it. Uh, he's probably good to go. And Julio Jones is is a is a wild you know wild card there. He's right. a question mark. Uh, he's got that knee sidelined him last week. Is he going to be able to go this week? We'll see. He was at practice today. Um, it's it's going to be something to watch, monitor. Probably a game time decision um, this week. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the week goes. We'll get another look tomorrow. We'll talk to you know uh, head coach Todd Bowles tomorrow and see if that's something that. He's going to be able to do, didn't participate again today, but he's also not necessarily a guy who needs to participate per se um, and can still go. And then the, the biggest question mark really is Cole Beasley, who they right. just signed in the practice. Right. How quick can he get up to speed? Obviously he's not going to learn the whole playbook in three days, but you know, can he get enough of the game plan, the terminology down uh, in, 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 in order to be uh, elevated, you know, um, to play on, on Sunday. So uh, that's that's kind of how the wide receiver room is shaking out um, with some question marks with, with Jones and Beasley. Um, but I definitely think Godwin's probably sidelined for this game. And then in addition to all of those weapons with injuries, you've also got Kate Otten, who's a rookie fourth-round pick for you guys. And it looks like he kind of got thrust into that starting role right out of the gate. And he's sitting here, has not practiced all week with, it says personal. I don't know if he's just away for, for whatever, but um, is, is he expected to play in this game? You know, that's a that's something that we're not quite sure of okay. yet. Um, he, he's yeah, he's been as advertised coming in here, uh, both as a at that traditional wide net as a blocker and as a receiver. Hasn't really had too many option uh, chances to catch the ball. Has had two targets, but uh, just you know we're just out of his out of his mitts. Um, had one knocked away from him as well. So um, if he can go, he's going to be a big part. I think you know not only blocking, especially if you know jumping ahead, Donovan Smith can't go. It's going to be Brandon Walton give that extra layer of protection. Um, but he's been he's been great. Everything you wanted. Uh, Minnesota's uh, Cole Keith, who they drafted in the sixth round, has been uh, amazing. Well, as a rookie, to the point where Kyle Rudolph has been inactive the last two games because of what these guys can do, not only on the field but on special teams. So. It's gonna be interesting to watch. If he can't go, Kyle Rudolph will definitely get that. Probably get that uh, go ahead this week. And, and you know he he's got a pass against the Packers, doing some good damage. Yeah, Donovan Smith is is kind of a big storyline here too. I would assume because I think his backup his backup just went out. Did he not? Correct. Yeah, Josh Wells. Um, yeah, he got put on injured reserve with a calf injury. Brandon Walton, who's the team's. I don't even want to call him the third string tackle. Right. He's more of a utility offensive lineman, can play guard, got some snaps at center. Um, also, you know, played a little bit of tackle the year before, but he stepped in at left tackle and did a very good job uh, to the point where he was going up against Marcus Davenport most of the game, and you didn't really hear Davenport's name. Did re- very well in pass protection, uh, graded out with an 80 grade from PFF, uh, pro football focus. Right. Um, obviously, they're not the end all be all, but they're a pretty good tell, so... Uh, he looked really good, and he's poised poised to make that start if, if Donovan Smith can't go. Smith did return to practice today on a limited basis, and, you know, he said, you know, he missed it out there. And uh, from everything, it's a hyperextended elbow. He's not going to be able to do any more damage to that injury. It's more of a pain tolerance. So can he go this week will be a question. I think last week was a little bit too soon, uh, but there's there's certainly some hope that he might be able to go this week. If not, Brandon Walton will step in, and I, I have confidence that, and the team has confidence that he'll be able to – get the job done. Yeah, and Donovan Smith is a is a pretty solid tackle if he's ready to go. I know we had a similar situation with Elton Jenkins this week, kind of battled back from injury, and he just didn't quite look himself, but obviously a very talented player. So um, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to root against Donovan Smith staying out with an injury, but obviously that's that's a big uh, that's a big talent to tackle that they're getting back if he's able to come back. So why don't we stick with the offensive line because that's another area where it's pretty unrecognizable. From I mean, depending on if Smith is there or not, but going from left to right, I'm and, and tell me if this is not correct, but I'm looking at Donovan Smith. We got Gadecki, Hainsey, Mason, and Wirfs. Um, and as far as I know, the the most recognizable name there is going to be Tristan Wirfs. I know Shaq Mason is a talented guy, but not a longtime Buccaneer. Um, how has the offensive line shift? Well, first of all, how has it changed and how has it looked since this new group has come in? Because, you know, Brady has not had as good of an offensive line seemingly this year as he's had over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, you know, it all started in the offseason when Ali Marpet decided he was going to right. retire. That was a huge loss, and there's, he's not coming back anymore. He's Joe Thomas skinny, maybe even skinnier now. So <laughs> he's definitely hung those cleats up for good. Um, and, and then, you know, Alex Kappa left in free agency for the Bengals. Ryan Jensen was brought back, but then they lost him on the second day of practice to an undisclosed knee injury. Uh they're playing it very close to the vest. Won't give us an update. Supposedly an injury that happened on July 27th still has swelling now here on September 22nd. So I don't know. I don't know how swollen that knee was, but um, you know, so that forced other, other people into that spot, you know, um, shortly after Alex Kappa signed Jason light, the wizard that he is somehow traded just a fifth round pick for Shaq Mason, who has experience playing with Brady and has graded out as a top five, uh, right guard in the league almost yeah. every season he's been here besides his early rookie years. Um, you know, he's a dominant run blocker for sure. And you can see that on the tape. Um, and, and then, you know, they spend the second round pick on Luke Gedeke, um, right tackle out of central Michigan, uh, making the switch over to left guard. He won the job out of camp. Um, with that injury to Ryan Jensen, Robert Hainsey's had to step in. So, you're looking at three new interior guys, and if Donovan Smith can't go, you're looking at a, a new left yeah. tackle as well. So the only consistent is your all-pro right tackle in Trisha Wirfs, who is – there's no need for concern there. He, I mean, he's right. just an absolute animal at that position. He's probably the best right tackle in the game and will probably go down as one of the best right tackles in the NFL if he can, continues his trajectory. Um, but, you know, I've liked what I've seen. There's been some learning, you know – hiccups and stuff like that that you expect from a rookie guy in a first year starter. But for the most part, uh, they've, they've held their own very well. Um, you know, very good at run blocking have gotten progressively better. It's going to take snaps, right? It's going to take yep. snaps and, and repetition and, and getting, you know, that getting back there with Tom Brady and knowing what he likes to do, knowing when he senses pressure, which way he likes to step and this and that, all that takes snaps and reps. I have no doubt by the end of the year, you know, that interior line, specifically the, the center and the left guard, because I've got no worries about Shaq Mason. They're going to be fine. They're going to, you know, and, you know, they'll probably be around average, slightly above average. Um, and it's just going to come with time and practice and reps, but uh, Brady's quick release helps hide most of the deficiencies they have and their renewed focus on, on getting the running game established and having balance on offense and, and giving multiple looks is going to help them as well. And, and so far that's been the case. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, you know, I was looking at Tom Brady. I was trying to get a sense. I haven't really watched too much of the Buccaneers. Um, but there's been rumors that he isn't necessarily playing at, at his highest level. So I wanted to look, the first thing I wanted to look at is pressures. And I was actually surprised to see it's it's almost exactly even. 20.6% of the time last year he was under pressure via PFF. This year it actually says 203 which is low in and of itself, but even a little bit lower than last year. But 
I wanted to ask you about Tom Brady a little bit. First of all, do you kind of agree that something's not right with him specifically as opposed to just the offense? And then um, if you agree, what would you attribute that to? Not necessarily. Um, you know, you look at the zip he's got on his ball. I mean, Tom Brady's, a, you know, he's a human still. I know he, he's a machine yeah. and, you know, he might not, he might be a little superhuman, uh, but he's still going to miss throws. He's still going to be, you know, that, that's going to happen as a quarterback, the, even the best miss throws and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, he's been playing with a ragtag wide receiving group. You know, injuries have really hurt this team. Uh, he's been able to overcome some of the issues on the offensive line early, especially in pass pro. Um, but I think, you know, you look at some of these, the third down numbers haven't been great, but there's also been a lot of drops. I mean, he's, he has some of the highest drops in the league over yeah. two games um, from his wide receivers. So right. they haven't helped him a bunch either, especially on third down. Scotty Miller dropped a few. Uh, you had a drop, you know, by uh, Cam Braid, um, you know, Leonard Fournette dropped one. So there's been some drops that have really attributed to some of this, this offensive struggles. And I think it's been play calling too. Not going to sugarcoat it. Byron Leftwich is running um, more on first down than he ever has. He's always been a first down runner. Predict it's been predictable, but to middling middling success, it's it's three you know three yards, three point four yards a carry, which is on first down, which is setting you up in six and set you know second and seven, um, you know, and, and those numbers are also inflated a little bit by Leonard Fournette having a, a first down run for seventeen yards, or else they'd be they'd be dropped down in, into the two point something. Right. Um, so. You know, I think that's been tough. Getting these guys in third and longs has been tough to convert, especially when you're down so many of your top wide receivers. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's Brady. I know the numbers. Looking at the stats and looking at the scoreboard, you're like, oh, you know, he's not putting up the numbers. This offense isn't doing what they're supposed to. But I think in time, it's going to be fine. Um, you know, again, once the wide receivers are healthy, once there's more reps with that offensive line, um, they'll, I think they'll be able to get things clicking and. Brady always says this, this first this first quarter of the season is more of a feeling out. What's our identity? What are we going to do? What are, what are we going to be? Let's feel each other out. And then, you know, that second half is all right. Let's put it together. And then that third half of the season, you know, December football ramping up into the playoffs is when everything comes together and you're usually playing your best football. So I still think that's the, that's the trend for this Bucks team. They've just had some really, you know, uh, really good injury luck. So far, going you know on the um, the opposing side, you know with um, you know Dallas down wide receivers right. and, and and down with their uh, offensive line, and then you look at the Saints down with Alvin Kamara and, and some of those guys, yeah. and their defense is playing lights out. You know, right. there there's no way to take it away. They 13 points in two games. Defense is just playing lights out and allowing them to have that slower start than what most people expected, and and that would probably hinder them if the defense wasn't playing so good. So that's that's kind of what I want to pivot to because I don't want to say I'm not afraid of the offense because obviously Tom Brady's there and Fournette and, and it's always going to be uh, a threat. But the defense is the thing that that kind of makes me think that this could go south for the Packers. Um, the team that I'm familiar with was impossible to run against. It was never going to happen. I know 2019, 2020, I think they were number one across the board in all the running stats. Um this year, or even last year, it looks like they were 15th. This year so far, and it's only two games, it looks like 19th. So they're still the most dominant defense in terms of points. They're fifth in yards. They're still very, very good. But it seems like the the structure or the DNA of the defense has kind of shifted a little bit. Obviously, you've got elite defensive backs. You've got a great group of linebackers. And Shaq Barrett is is racking up the, the, the stats, as he always does. But 
I want to kind of touch on the run defense. Have, have you noticed um, a, a slight decline in that? Do you think there's going to be a little bit? Can we get maybe three yards per carry in this game? Or <laughs> how is that going to go this week? I think where a majority of those numbers have come in that first quarter, that first half, they've kind of settled down in the okay. second half. Um, you know, so if they're going to get, I think if they're, the Packers are going to run the ball, they've got to start heavy and start running the ball then. Um, but, you know, those linebackers, you know, those those edge defenders know how to set the edge, and mm-hmm. uh, that's still their bread and butter, right? Uh, the biggest thing in the NFL is stopping the pass, right? That's how teams are going to yeah. beat you. The rules are set up for high, you know, for passing offenses, for you know, deep, deep balls and big plays and et cetera, you know, with all, with all the calls that they're getting nowadays, that's the biggest way that teams are going to beat you, you know? So running the ball is certainly something uh, and stopping the run is something that they want to make sure they're doing. They take a lot of pride in that, mm-hmm. but stopping the pass, I think is first and for, first and foremost, and they've been pretty dang good at it so far. Um, you know, you look at, guys who they have everyone's a short tackler on that team so you're not seeing too many runs break into that second level and then go for big chunk yardages um you know i I still think this team is going to do what they do best and that's take away the run for the most part you know they might if you turn enough yards turn turn your legs enough you're going to pick up some yards but they're going to try to shut that down the run and that's that's been the this, the recipe for success against this Green Bay Packers team the last two times. Yeah. Take away Aaron Jones, take away A.J. A. Dillon, and take away the number one option. Put Carlton Davis on him and say, Carlton, you're on an island. Man coverage of this dude the whole game. Take him away. We saw him have success uh, against, you know, Devontae Adams the last two times. Yeah. You know, held him under 70 yards receiving. You know, it's Devontae Adams. That's shutting that Devontae Adams down. He's <laughs> holding him under 70 yards. Might not be for every receiver, but that's certainly what it is for Devontae. So, and they shut down the running game and said, okay, beat us. Beat us with MVS. Beat us with Lazard. Beat us with uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Beat us with Robert Tunyon. Beat us with Mercedes Lewis. And I think that's the key to the game for them this week, too. Shut down the running game. Aaron Jones, you know, this is a run-first team. It's something that we haven't really seen uh, an Aaron Rodgers-led offense really look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to try to run the ball down your throats. Shut that down. Don't let Aaron Jones beat you. Don't let him beat you as a receiver or as a running back. Don't let A.J. Dillon come in and pound you with that big-bodied frame he has and take away Alan Lazard and say, okay, beat us with Sammy Watkins. Beat us with Christian Watson. Beat us with Randall Cobb. Beat us with Tony. Beat us with Lewis. Beat us with Dubs. And I think we've seen in the past Rodgers struggles when that's the formula. And I don't, I don't know why you changed that. And I think what you've said, you know, looking at that secondary, it's got, it's improved. It's better than what it was before. You know, Jamel Dean is playing lights out. Carlton Davis continues to be a lockdown guy. They've, they've moved Antoine Winfield Jr. into the, into the nickel position. He's excelled at it so far through two games. They've got Logan Ryan back there. Who's a savvy veteran with shirt tackler and can bring the blitz too. They've got Mike Edwards who leads the league in in pick sixes the last four years. Um, and, and those guys, all three of those safeties are interchangeable. They can play strong, free, or nickel. So you've got a lot of versatility in the back end. Levante Davis, Levante David, one of the most underrated, criminally underrated linebackers in the game. Numbers compare as well as or are better than Keekley and Wagner, yet he never gets a, the respect that he's due. And, and Devin White has really honed in on what, what failed him last season, you know, relying on his speed. Um, not really watching enough film as he should. And we've seen the turnaround, you know, he's, he's using his speed the right way. He's not playing overly aggressive and taking himself out of place. He's, he's able to 
uh, plays smarter. And we've seen the hesitant A-gap blitzes that he's been able to get to the quarterback three times now. Um, and, and you pair that with Vita Vey on the defensive line, you know, Akeem Hicks is, is a loss. Mm-hmm. He didn't look as great as a pass rusher, but he still commands double teams and that frees things up for everybody else. Uh, Will Golston's still there. Logan Hall has, has looked really good. Their, their second round draft pick uh, handled, you know, Zach Martin, the Cowboys guard on no. a few plays. I mean, Zach Martin, that's no easy feat. No. The guy's got more pro bowls than holding calls, it's you know, in his come, career, yeah. which is crazy. Seven, which is crazy. Um, and, and then you still got Shaq Barrett on the outside and he's gonna, you know, at that left tackle going up against that left tackle is going to be difficult for him. And Joe trying shrink has really come on and, and they're versatile last week. There was a play where they dropped Vita Bay and Joe try and shrink and coverage. Like he's going to give you multiple looks. And, and if the Packers, uh, are turned into a, a one dimensional team, if they can take away that run, like, like we've been talking about. It's going to be a long day for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's been sacked nine times and throws, right. thrown three interceptions in the last two meetings. And uh, they're going to have to find a way to scheme guys open and and really trying to use use those running backs maybe as pass, as pass-catching weapons and extension of the run game. And it's, it's surely going to be an interesting matchup to see how they do. And, and you know, not to mention, it's going to be like 90 degrees <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> It just started getting a little bit cold here. We're getting down into the 30s all of a sudden out of nowhere. So hopefully we're not getting acclimated to that. But no, I, I've always said when one I week of 30s in Tampa and it's like mid-February or late January, that's it. Like, right. The oh, rest yeah. of it's I got to get out of here. I got to I got to start moving south because I'm not ready for this again. <laughs> but no, I've, I've always told people when I go on other people's podcasts, you know, how in the world are we going to stop the Packers? I said it's a it might not be easy to execute, but it's an easy formula. You take the run away, you force them to pass, and then you bring the pressure. And you, if you can do that, you right. win the game. And, and the Bucs have been able to execute that perfectly, which is why it's been so hard to beat the Bucs. You take away the ability to run. You force Rodgers and Shotgun to just stand and throw over and over again. You pin your ears back, and you bring pressure. And, and it's, it's game over, especially when you got corners or, or DBs in general as good as the Bucs have. Um, the, the only... As weird as it sounds, slight advantage is the strategy of shutting down the number one wide receiver is useless because we don't really have one. We can call it Alan Lazard if you want, but Alan Lazard didn't contribute hardly at all last week, and who cares? I I doubt he's even the most talented guy. Um, Sammy was 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 better, and you know the rookies they're they're not getting acclimated quite quickly, and they may have to with the injuries that we've got. But um, you know, again, that that's the one strategy where if you're going to try to build Belichick it and take away the best player. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't really. We, yeah, well, that that would be the thing. Yeah, but as far as the DBs or the corners, it, that's the, don't do that. That's that's that you're wasting your your best asset on somebody that we kind of couldn't care less about. But um, right. no, I, I I think that makes a lot of sense. So why don't we kind of uh, go ahead and wrap it up with this? Um, how do you kind of see the game going this weekend? Um, you, we've kind of laid the groundwork for what the Bucks and the Packers need to do. How do you think it's going to play out? And then you know, if you can kind of feel out a score prediction, what do you think? Well, I think both of these teams are going to try to run the ball, yep. uh, regardless of what it looks like. Kenny Clark is one of the best defensive linemen that the Bucks are going to face, and Tom Brady even said that today. Um, they're going to try to run the ball. Uh, you know, they're going to try to get Leonard Fournette going early and then utilize the passing game with whatever receivers are available um, out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't know who's going to be there, uh, you know, but 
Uh, obviously, Jair Alexander is going to be matched up against whoever their number one is, most likely. Uh, I really like Razul Douglas. I don't know how he's playing this season, but doing well. Um, you know, there, there's going to be some mismatches. Still, Tom Brady. He can still, you know, they'll still be able to scheme guys open and, and find some, um, you know, ways to get get the get the guys the ball and, and create plays and and take some deep shots for sure. That's what this offense is predicated on. Um, but I think it's going to be a heavy dose of running for both of these teams. Uh, I think it's going to be a defensive, another one of these defensive games for the Bucks where they are just kind of grinding it out. Um, the Packers have a good defense. They've got playmakers at all levels with, with Quay Walker and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. And, uh, you know, you look at, like I said, Razul Douglas and, and Jair, Jair Alexander. Kenny Clark is is one of the best defensive linemen, uh, uh, defensive linemen that the Bucks are going to face this season. They've got a pretty good safety in Darnell Savage. Um, you know, they've got a pretty good, you know, other cornerback, Eric Stokes, still trying to get, you know, his feet under him. And then, you know, they've got a couple other guys on the defensive line that can create some problems too. Devontae Wyatt, the, your rookie as well. Um, so they're going to have to try to run it and run the ball down their throat and establish that run game because both of these teams are banged up. They're banged up on the offensive line. Um, you know, the wide receiver core, depending on what the Bucks roll out, is, you know, going to be slightly comparable or maybe just a little bit more talented than what the the Packers have. So, again, I, I think it's going to be a defensive battle between these two teams. I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, you know, I kind of adjusted my my. I've adjusted my score a few times this week. I, I thought that the Bucks might be able to get around 27 points up on the board. I thought the Packers probably could get around 20, 23 points. I just don't see that happening right now right. Um, with the way everything's playing out, especially if Donovan Smith can't go. Uh, I've come back down to reality a little bit. So I think right now as my score, I've got the Bucks winning this game in a close one, 2017. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause even as you're saying it, I mean, I'll be honest. I I would be kind of surprised if there's a team with better defensive backs than the Bucks and the Packers have. I mean, they've got a great group, and the mismatch between the DBs and the wide receivers for both teams is astronomical. So you've got two teams try basically just trying to establish the run so that we can pick our spots in the pass, and then just please don't make any mistakes. You know, the 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 team that'll play the cleanest game, don't turn the ball over to these these you know hungry DBs. Don't put the ball on the ground. If you can do that and and be able to sustain drives, picking your spots with passing and, and running the ball well, that's the only way. But either way, like you said, um, you know we're we're gonna run to kick field goals a lot. So I yeah I I, I don't have a score prediction, but you know twenty three twenty type of game really wouldn't surprise me. So um, anyways, JC, I really appreciate your time and your insights with this. Uh, we got a lot more homework to do with the Buccaneers, and I gotta kind of get in there and watch you guys play a little bit, but. Um, you got a great football team, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be on here. Happy to chop it up. Who knows? Maybe we're doing this in uh, in, in January too. Again, <laughs> I sure hope not, man. I really, I don't <laughs> want to deal with that ever again. <laughs> oh man. All right, take it easy. Yeah, thank you.